Hello, sailors, and welcome to another episode of Offshore Sailing and Cruising with Paul Trammell. Well, I am recording this on November 13th, although it's not going to release until late December. Uh, I am still in Bocas del Toro, Panama, and I'm recording ahead of time because I'm not sure if I'm going to have internet service for a while. I'm going to be heading out of here soon, uh, stopping in Jamaica, and then I'm going to go to the Bahamas and, and spend, hopefully I'll be spending December in the southern Bahamas, uh, exploring some of the remote areas down there, uh, like I said, where I probably won't have internet service. So anyway, if you're interested in seeing where I am, you can find a link to my tracker on my website up in the header of every page of my website, paultrammel.com. You'll see a button that says Garmin Tracker Page, and you can click on that just to, to see where I am at any given time. At the bottom of every page of my website and the footer, you'll see a link to Patreon where you can support this podcast. If you're a regular listener, please consider supporting the podcast through Patreon. You can also support the podcast by buying any of my books. My latest is a novel about treasure hunting, and it takes place in the Bahamas. It is called The Gold Box, so check that out. Uh, you can find links to all my books at paultrammell.com books, or you can just search my name on Amazon, or just search for The Gold Box on Amazon. And today I've got, for the first time, loopers on the podcast. That's uh, Roan. And Carrie Poulter have just completed America's Great Loop on their catamaran. The Great Loop is a boating route that goes up the intercoastal waterway, up towards New York, through various canals, into the Great Lakes, over towards Chicago, and then down through various rivers back to the Gulf of Mexico. So let's get right to it. This is my interview with Roan and Carrie Poulter, also known as the Wayward Travelers. Hi, Roan. Hello, Paul. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. Hi, Carrie. Hello. Hi, thanks for coming on. Thanks for being on the podcast. Well, loopers need to be represented, right? I mean, they're people too. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. We're, uh, we are including everybody. We're inclusive. So where are you guys right now? We are in Key West. All right. How do you like it there? I, I like Key West. Um, there's a lot of like 40-year-old burnouts here. <laughs> so I, I kind of fight at home, you know. Oh, you fit right in. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like long frizzle hair, you know, look like they listen to Frank Zappa, you know, kind of guys. And, and I fit right in. All right. Great. Great. I've actually, I actually have not been to Key West since, since I was in college, you know, long time ago, different, different century. <laughs> it hasn't changed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a unique slice of, of the world, you know, uh, just that one long road that comes down here, you know, everything takes forever to, to get here. Like when you order an Amazon package and it's supposed to be there the next day, it still takes like, four or five days um the only downside is it's really expensive i mean everything then you think well everything can't be more no everything is more down here and i I suppose it's fair that everything has to be trucked in this far but it's it's about the same price as new york city is what we found oh my goodness wow i didn't i didn't know that yeah yeah there's there are very few things for cheap how long are you going to be there? 
Uh, we're staying here to the end of November uh, to see our kids for Thanksgiving. They have, uh, our son has a break from university and then uh, we'll make our way over to the Bahamas after that. All right, cool. Cool. So let's, let's uh, start by talking about your boat. What are you guys on? We're on a Gemini 3000, a 1988 model. Gemini 3000. Okay, so I know that's a catamaran, but I don't know anything else about it. Yeah, it's a small uh, catamaran. It's got kind of three berths and a small head. Uh, was made by Performance Cruising out of, uh, I think, maybe, was it Maryland, I think? Uh, we're powered by a 60-horse Mercury outboard on the back. Um, it's a great gunk holer boat because uh -huh. uh, I have drop-down rudders that are on kind of a bungee system, and, and the keels uh, on either side can be, can be rolled up or, or put down. So uh, wow. we can technically go in 18 inches of water, and, and oh, I've, I've kind of tried that we out. <laughs> oh, yeah? 18 inches that's that's amazing i i mean it's that's kind of a deceptive number because the truth is the outboard you know doesn't function in 18 inches of water so yeah you could get in 18 inches of water but you're gonna have to be out there pulling it by hand okay so you need a nice hard bottom you can walk on <laughs> without alligators yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah and, well and that's always the place that we're trying to do 18 inches is a place where you don't want to get out and walk in that water and it's right. never intentional so right well you know that that's going to come in really handy in the bahamas because that's that makes a huge difference if you can get into water that shallow in the bahamas you'll it'll be a lot easier to find protection you know protected anchorages um you know, there's no waves in 18 inches of water, no matter what the wind is doing, for one thing. Uh, right. And you'll be able to cross over shallow sandbars. That's going to be really nice. Yeah, that'll, that'll be a, a different experience um, from what I'm used to down there. Uh, yeah, I had a, my friend, um, Pete Goss, who was the first interview, interviewee on this podcast. He was down there in a, a Garcia Expedition 45, which had a lifting keel. And he could get into water that was about that depth too. And his in his big forty-five foot sailboat. I mean, it, it only drew a, a couple of feet at most when the, everything was up. Um, so he was able to go places I couldn't consider going, and anchor wherever he wanted to. And that is going to be the case with you as well. So that ought to be fun. Are you guys uh, studying the Bahamas and studying the charts and figure out figuring out where you want to go? That, Tell them how we study. Those are honey. good. <laughs> Those are good things that a wise sailor would do. Um, I, you know, we spent so much time traveling. I'm, I'm not particularly good at a study the charts. Um, yeah. We study I, the morning as we're having tea. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I kind of live it, you know, like about two days in the, in the future. And I, and I do look that far in the future, but I'm, I'm not very good at looking like a month from now, this is where we're going to be and, and uh, where we should yeah. go. And the reason is because it seems like when you're a couple of days out from a place, you, you start to be closer to the locals. And so every time I planned too far ahead, then I ended up meeting up with somebody who ended up making all my planning kind of uh, irrelevant. So, okay. Yeah. Hey, whatever, whatever makes it work for you, you know, whatever's fun. 
um, I, I always, I can't help myself. I want to study the charts and, and find little anchorages and, and figure out where I want to go. Um, one thing that's always useful to do, though, in the Bahamas is to have a, a plan and a backup plan. Um, because the wind direction is, is going to change sometimes and you'll be halfway to where you think you're going and the, the conditions are going to change and you're, you're going to have to go somewhere else. Um, so it's always good to know where, and, and it's probably less important for you since, since you can get into such shallow places, but it's much more important for, for me with my six foot draft to know what inlets I can get in and out of and that sort of thing. Oh yeah. Well, and planning for the, the tides has got to be a big deal for you too, I assume. Well, yeah, planning for the tides is um, important for me. It's also important for everybody if you're going to go through any sort of inlet because the currents can get strong uh, in the inlets. And one thing that gets dangerous is if there is a strong current in an inlet and the wind is blowing against it. So if you have a, say you need to go into an inlet and the tide's going to be coming out towards you and the wind is going to be blowing 20 knots against that current, um, it can set up really dangerous conditions in the inlet. They call that a rage. Yeah. So that's something uh, that's something to know, yeah. something to keep always keep in mind if you're going into any sort of inlet, which you're typically going to be doing. Um, just make sure you're not going in when the wind is blowing strong against the tide. Yeah. Oh no, we've we've. Uh, I'm pretty good at, at finding those those conditions actually. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, it worked out uh, a lot. Well, because I mean, that was supposed to be the, it was, I didn't have a lot of sailing experience. Um, in fact, I had very, very little. So we thought the Great Loop would be, we figured it was kind of an introductory course to sailing. Um, hmm. And, and uh, it, it turned out to be that and, and more. So. Oh, it looks, yeah. I mean, I mean, to me, sailing offshore is much easier than sailing inshore and, and sailing up the intercoastal um, has been is, is difficult, in my opinion. There's just constant obstacles and you can never take a break. You've always got to watch where you're going and watch the depth, and traffic and the buoys. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just dodging crab traps. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. so you're, you're going to find that uh, sailing to the Bahamas is, is certainly not going to be any more difficult than what you've already done yeah because we we made a couple of larger larger crossings um we we skipped across instead of doing the the big bend of florida we went we did a 200 mile crossing from like Destin to uh clearwater oh okay and we were in yeah you know fairly open open oh, yeah. water and uh had one of our our rudder cages torn off the back of the boat while we were about two thirds of the way across. And, you know, so oh, I'm geez. hanging off the back of the boat in 200 feet of water and 25 mile an hour, uh, winds trying to bungee, uh, our rudder back on. So it wouldn't, we wouldn't just lose it. So. Well, did you hit something? No, no, it was just, um, rusty. And, and we were taking the, the waves were coming on the beam and must have just kind of, you know, the, the rudders are mahogany planks inside stainless steel tubing cage that holds them in place and allows them to, to be moved up and down so that you can, uh -huh. you know, you can go in lower conditions. But okay. the, we were taking the waves on the beam and I had lowered the rudders down. So it gives it a longer lever arm. So the 
physics were kind of against us and it must have found an old rusty uh, weld and it just kept, you know, worrying it back and forth and eventually it, it, it snapped off and oh. uh, the cage snapped off. So we just had the rudder floating out there. So I had to, in 25 knots of wind and uh, yeah, yeah. That's serious. Yeah. Well, I had, to, yeah. And I'm hanging off the side of the boat. My carries holding on to my legs um, while I try and strap using a ratchet strap to get the uh, get the rudder back on so that uh, we didn't lose it. And so we still had steering on the boat. So, wow. Well, it sounds like an adventure. Yeah. 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 Did you get it on video? There, there may be, of course, my videos are all like, at this point, I'm like three and a half months behind, but I, I think yeah. there is some video of it. Um, there's certainly videos of the, of the repair um, that we were able to find a welder in, in Clearwater. So, uh -huh. yeah, uh, we got caught in a storm on Lake Michigan too. And it, it's, it's always that trying to make a, a beeline for something instead of, you know, hugging the shoreline. So we decided to, to cut across uh, the bottom piece of Lake Michigan. So we ended up in, in open water and the Marine forecast said it was going to be clear. It was going to be fine. Um, one to two foot waves and 15 knot winds and the mm -hmm. storms were kind of supposed to go on either side of the lake. They ended up coming together and, and kind of slamming into each other with us caught right in the middle and ended up being like six to eight foot waves, 45 mile an hour gusts from various directions. Thank God I didn't have any canvas up. Um, mm. Lightning strikes wow. that were like every 20 seconds. So we kept kind of waiting for a lightning strike to hit the mast and lose all the electronics. It got dark on us and we made it into New Buffalo at about 10 p.m., um, people saw us out there, and there had been some news because they'd lost eight sailboats over in Wisconsin. Um, uh -huh. The Coast Guard was out on a rescue. So some of the locals actually drove out. It's like 10 o'clock at night, pouring rain, and uh, brought their cars out to the edge of the, kind of the inlet and turned their headlights on so that we could see wow. to, to make our way in. Yeah, it was pretty... It was a pretty special moment to see that you know uh i yeah. assume it's sailors helping sailors but may i have no idea who these people are and i, I wish i could you know thank them because uh it, it helped a lot wow that's wonderful what a story yeah so so what was your overall route where did you start from where'd you go where'd you end up uh so we our voyage started christmas last year uh at fort myers we came across the Okeechobee Waterway, uh huh. Which is, well, I mean, every, really, I, I I think the Great Loop actually doesn't get the credit that it deserves. I think it's kind of gotten this this bad reputation as like a retiree, you know, RV park, and uh, there's there's so many different pieces to it so we started it in fort myers came across the okeechobee all the way up through the intracoastal um chesapeake bay you go outside around all of new jersey in through new york harbor you anchor outside the statue of liberty 
We spent a week in New York City. Uh, make your way up the Hudson. You do the Erie Canal, which was fantastic. Uh, the Erie Canal, you just couldn't ask for more hospitality than what we got there. Really? Um, yeah, free. I, I mean, and, you know, in Key West, it, it really draws a stark contrast. It, the uh-huh. All the way across the Erie Canal, it was free places with full, you know, water, power. Some of them had washers and dryers and uh-huh. included free, you know. Wow. Uh, the Finger Lakes were amazing. I, I mean, yeah. And, it, you know, people say, well, yeah, you got to make your way across the Erie Canal. There's there's actually a couple of different routes. Um, Canada was still closed, so we didn't have a chance to do like the Trent Severin Canal or the Welland Canal. Uh-huh. I, I love the Erie Canal and I would, I would do it again. It was picturesque. It was beautiful, was historic. Uh, you know, you, as you go along, there's museums, the cities are just so excited to have recreational boaters there. They're falling yeah. all over themselves to, to welcome people there. Yeah. You, I'm like, you could spend an entire summer on the Erie Canal. It's, it's all free. The, the canal itself is now free uh, as of 2017. The wow. people are just stoked to have you. Um, and it, yeah, it was a great experience. And then you make your way. Um, we came across Lake Erie and we did it in a, a two and a half day, 24 hour, or really a, about a 37 hour crossing, 200 miles across Lake Erie. Uh, mm-hmm. Come up, spend some time in Detroit, up Lake Huron. Uh, spent a day up in Mackinac City and Mackinac Island, and then down Lake Michigan through Chicago. Um, then you start into the river system. So you do the Illinois, Mississippi, Ohio, Tennessee River, then the Ten Tom Canal, pop out at Mobile, and then you come along Florida and you can choose whether to hug the shore, which I should have, or you can choose to do that, uh. that big crossing across the Big Bend and then. You know, you're essentially back to where you started from. Cool. That sounds wonderful. You really, you really paint a nice picture of it. Um, yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious how it was doing in a catamaran. Was it, was that a, a good boat, a good choice of boat for the loop? I, I personally think that this is the perfect boat to do the loop on. And that goes, you know, really against the prevailing wisdom because, uh, and I hate saying the average, but most of the people that are doing the loop are doing it on like, say, a 45 foot trawler that I would say that's the kind of the standard looping boat. Okay. Um, and in fact, even the, the wisdom from uh, the people that do it, what they'll tell you is if you could do it on a sailboat, just take your mast off and leave it at home because that way you don't have to because we did have to step the mast for the Erie Canal. And then we had to step the mast again to get through because we went through downtown Chicago. Um, uh-huh. But I, I wouldn't trade sailing on Lake Huron, the Chesapeake Bay, uh, when we went outside of New Jersey. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trade the sailing that I did there, certainly for the money that we paid to, to step the mast and, and unstep the mast. Um, and there's a couple of DIY places. So the first time we, we unstepped our mast, it only cost us $54 because all you're doing is essentially renting this 1950s 
uh, crane setup that some kind of an ex-military, you know, surplus piece of equipment, but they, you have huh? to do it yourself. So <laughs> that sounds fun. We'd never done it. So yeah. Right. It's, there's, there's a lot of adventures to be had and, uh, you know, as versus a trawler, that when they start budgeting, they're budgeting like $35,000 in fuel cost. Um, I haven't done the, the complete picture, but I'm thinking that, yeah, I think our fuel costs are going to be like a 10th that, you know, 35, maybe 5,000, but you know, one seventh the cost of, of what to, and again, all you're doing is moving two people around the loop. So, you know, you can either spend, well, you can spend whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. But that's a very significant savings doing it in a, in a catamaran. Um, yeah. And, and, and being able to sail, uh, that would, that would be a big plus uh, for, for me, especially. Yeah. And um, we did 30, 35 so grand we, is out of my budget. Yeah. Well, and that was, you know, we, we planned to do the loop because I, when I saw it, I thought that's, that's a cool thing to do. And about a month in, just because of what we found to be prevailing wisdom that you need to have a couple hundred thousand dollars in the, if you know, if you're just sitting on the street and you want to do the loop, yeah, you probably need about a quarter of a million dollars to do it. So people, this is like, this is their one big thing they save up their whole life to do. Um, yep. It occurred to us, we bought this boat and rehabbed it. And that's obviously where we met you. And yep. we thought, you know, we're into this boat well enough. I wonder if we could sell it when we get done and pay for the repairs that we've made, the mass stepping, the fuel and the marinas for this whole thing and, and make and be able to essentially do the entire loop for a net zero cost. Uh-huh. And and we are I of course it depends on what we end up selling the boat for um when we get done with the Bahamas, but I, it's, it's plausible. It's, it's certainly wow. possible that we could end up having done the loop for free. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, and again, you know, it's just as kind of a mental exercise to, to get people thinking, well, you know, there are other ways to do this because I, I don't think that we did it the cheapest way possible either. I think that people could do it for less than what we did it for or, you know, have a boat that they're able to turn for maybe more profit than, than we did. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's, you know, important to challenge those, uh, you know, wisdom, yes. uh, the prevailing wisdom. I, I hate prevailing wisdom. <laughs> right, right. And, and, you know, and I love having people on from, from, from both sides of the prevailing wisdom. So it can be done on any budget. Um, and, and prevailing wisdom is, is uh, just one side of the story. Right. Well, and as we as we told people, you know, you, we got into a marina once we got the boat in the water and we start telling people that we're doing the loop. Um, you know, we have people bring us armloads of, of charts and, and maps and information about it. And they said, you know, I'd always wanted to do the loop, but I, I just I ran out of time. You know, I never mm -hmm. had the money to do it. I, I got too old here. Here, take this stuff you know, maybe you can make some use of it. And uh -huh. uh, so kind of our idea was, you know, if we could get just one person to see a different way and do the loop while they're still able to do it instead of 
waiting too long and, and watching it pass them by as too many people's dreams often do. Mm-hmm. Then that then that's a cool exercise. We did we did good. Yeah. Just one person, you know. I think I think you're going to inspire at least one person. Um, so, are you will, willing to talk about how much you spent on your boat? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So we we bought it. It had been five years in that in that boatyard in St. Augustine. Um, oh, really? And yeah, and we bought it for ninety five hundred dollars. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it had a the Mercury, the 60 horse Mercury outboard on the back only had three or four hours on it. It was essentially brand new. It was not uh, like a 2020 motor. It's like a 2016, but it didn't have any hours on it. It looked brand new. We figured that it was, was almost worth it just for the, just for the motor. Yeah. Yeah. It, it had, you know, somebody had tried to repair, Place the windows. I feel like this is like a common story in bargain sailboats. Somebody tried to replace the windows, didn't do a very good job. It's Florida. It rained and filled the uh, filled the holes with water and rotted out the floorboards. So you know there was there was a lot of work that we did to it, but mm-hmm. um, it, most of it's elbow grease, not not really huge dollar items. So we spent like six months. Of course, through the the absolute gut heat of the Florida summer, fixing it up. Yeah. But um, I think we spent oh three or four thousand dollars on on fixing up the boat, everything included inside, and then we spent about five thousand um, dollars on new standing rigging and running rigging. Less than twenty grand total in the boat, then. You're right around there, I guess. Yeah. I'd have to go back through my exact numbers, but yeah, I think we're somewhere around. Yeah. Sounds right. And then, and of course that's, that's doing every, everything except for the rigging we did ourselves. So I I did not trust myself to do the, uh, standing rigging. I I would have done the running stuff, but it, it just, for what he quoted me to, to replace the lines, um, I couldn't buy them for the same price. So seemed like a good deal. Oh, cool. Right on. Did Rick do that for you? Yes. Yeah, he did. Right on. Right on. And uh, that's uh, Sail Sail Ready, I believe, is the name of, of the company. So a little plug for for Rick and Sail Ready. Yeah, Sail Ready. Rigging, Augustine, yeah. he did my rigging as well. Um, yeah, it's nice to have new standing rigging. That's, that's a lot of confidence. Yeah. It gives a lot of confidence when you're offshore when the wind's blowing. Yeah, right. And and I, I videoed him when they when they did it so when we got on the hudson river and uh we show up this place called castleton on the hudson boat club and you know they're like yeah 55 bucks you can use our our uh crane good luck we cannot touch it and we cannot help you i was (laughs) like oh okay well let's watch that video of rick doing my uh standing the mast on here and i'll i'll just run the video in reverse and uh figure out how to do this oh nice hey the benefit of having a youtube channel that's what i'm saying right i mean you know occasionally you think you're just capturing something and you're capturing information that you need down the road yes and you know i do that too um in fact i was watching one of my videos today uh, I use them when I'm writing books. 
I'll, I'll go back and and like a, today I was watching a video I, I took of a couple of fish and a, and a shark swam by in the background and I wanted to write about that experience. And I thought, oh yeah, I wrote about that. I mean, I took a video, so I got to watch the video and describe the fish and their colors and what the reef looked like and everything. So, so I do that too. Yeah. What, um, what is the name of your YouTube channel? Uh, we are the wayward travelers. The wayward travelers. Yeah. All and right. we're, I always, yeah. We're kind of that mixed media. So there are sailing videos on there, but we're really, we're on this five great adventures thing. So sometimes people are like, well, wait a minute. I thought this was sailing stuff. How come you're riding a motorcycle across the backlands of, of Utah um, or a van driving through Mexico? So we're on this, there's five great adventures. So it, it's kind of like a choose your own adventure. Where, you know, people can look at whatever interests cool. them. Yeah, well, there's more to the world than, than just the ocean. Um, what what are your five adventures? Um, so the Great Loop, the Pan American Highway from Prudhoe Bay, Alaska to Tierra del Fuego. Golly. Yeah. The Trans-America Trail from Hatteras, North Carolina to Ocean Dunes, Oregon on dirt roads on motorcycle. The cool. uh, backpack through Europe. And then the Trans-Siberian Railroad with the uh, Chinese spur through Mongolia and then backpack through Asia. That's the, that's the grand plan. And we've done, wow. Trans-America Trail is done. And we were actually, we were on the Pan-American Highway. We made it to Prudhoe Bay, Alaska, was able to skinny dip in the Arctic Ocean for a very short mm -hmm. time. And then uh, made it to, yeah, made it to southern Mexico. So we were in Oaxaca when COVID shut down the uh, all the borders going south. So oh. at that point, we turned around and came back and bought this boat with about a month later. So cool. So you did the loop, and you're gonna you're gonna go ahead and, and tack on the Bahamas to that adventure. Yeah, you know, Carrie wanted to do the Bahamas, but I get seasickness and. Um, I had very limited sailing experience, so I, you know, I just the idea of just setting off into the ocean, even though I know that crossings, it's actually a lot shorter than the crossings that we've done, but it um, just felt like a bridge too far for me. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, the so we're probably the. <laughs> it sounds utterly ridiculous. We did the Great Loop so that we could learn how to sail to the Bahamas. <laughs> hey it's i mean i'm sure it worked because uh you got you got plenty of experience now and the bahamas is going to be wonderful you guys are going to i mean it's such such a contrast to what you just did um it's one of my i mean it's probably my favorite place in the world and, and we're hoping that that's what what we find as well um and you know i don't know maybe when we finished our five adventures maybe we're we're back at at doing it yeah i i certainly wouldn't rule it out there's, there's a lot about boat life that I love, not every single aspect of it, but a lot of it that I like. Yeah, I love it. I've been living aboard for a couple of years now and, uh, or, you know, on and off for about five years, but full time since um, October of 19. And it, it has not gotten old in any, in any way yet. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny having done the van and essentially living van life. Um, you know, there's a lot of, of parallels and I'm, I'm surprised that the two communities aren't 
more intertwined. Um, there, there's some similarities and some some large disparities that are that are kind of funny. You know, I, I mean, the person who is essentially a, a vagabond in a van is a captain on a sailboat, right? <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Good point. Yep. I mean, communities seem a, a lot more likely to embrace uh, people on a boat than they are to embrace somebody, you know, parked in front of their house in a van. So uh, I think it's I think it's all from that Will Farley Saturday Night Live skit when he said, you're, you're going to be living in a river in a van down by the river. <laughs> it's because down by the river is the best spot. I mean, that's, that's where everybody wants to go. Living in a van by a river sounds pretty good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does. It sounds sounds good to me. Yeah. Whenever you can get a spot by the river. It's it's yeah. the Walmart parking lots that I'm not so fond of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta gotta do that sometimes. Kind of like staying in a in a you know not so good marina on a boat. I, yeah. I tend to avoid marinas completely. I like living at anchor. Um uh, although I've been to some nice marinas. Uh Sometimes, sometimes staying in a marina is like like living in a country club, uh, but but you got to have the, the money. You know, you got to be shelling out you know quite a bit of money for that. Right. Um, but that but that first shower, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't had a a shower in an actual shower in almost a year now. Yeah. Yeah, it's no problem though. Um, especially here yeah. in Panama. I mean, it's it's never it's never even close to cold here. Um, you know, I. I, I usually go out at night to shower when it's dark and, and uh, dump a buck, bucket of water over me and shower and dump another bucket over me. And um, it's not even chilly. You know, it feels fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, our, we don't have an indoor. The, this boat was just not set up to have an indoor shower. So our shower is actually on the back of the boat, completely open to the, uh, the viewing public. And when we first started this, we, we had a shower curtain. I, I put up some magnets along the top and we put a shower curtain up and it's about two months in and we're like, you know what? That's enough of that. You know, they, <laughs> they want to see, they're going to see. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of different cultures uh, have no problem with that. You know, um, a lot of there's, there's every now, you know, it's, it's fairly common for me to, to look out in the morning and, and see somebody naked and showering, you know, on their boat, getting out yeah. of the water naked. Um, I'm a bit more um, conservative, you know, I wait until nighttime. <laughs> yeah. But, it's, it's tough to wear clothes when it's 90 plus degrees out. You don't have air conditioning. I, I will. I understand that part of it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. You know, believe it or not, it, it has not even hit 90 since I've been here in Panama. It's been in the eighties. It's like in the mid eighties every day. And I've been here for seven months. It's, you know, I, I told people I was doing the loop also so that I could chase 70 degrees. But oh, yeah. I just had, because we were trying to get down here to Key West for Fantasy Fest, I had, we, we were really pushing our dates all the way, um, basically from the, the top of the Great Lakes down. So it felt like I was chasing 90 degrees. I mean, we just, we sweltered all the way down the inland river system i mean just everywhere we were at it was oh yeah 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 <laughs> wow felt, felt like a sponge that had been wrung out by the time we hit mobile oh wow yeah yeah you know it's amazing um that that uh 
the United States in the summer is hotter than Panama, which is only like 10 degrees above the equator or nine degrees or something. But uh, yeah, Florida summer where, where I, when I met you, for instance, that was, that was like almost unbearably hot, especially working on our boats. Uh, oh yeah. Getting up into, you know, up to a hundred regularly. Um, and, uh, and then down here I am just, just nine degrees above the equator and it's hasn't even gotten as hot as 90. So, I mean, but it, it wouldn't be that case if you went inland 10 miles, right? I mean, it would be nasty in there. It, yeah. It all depends on where you are. The thing about Panama and a lot of Central America is that it's got tall mountains and it's cold up on top of those mountains and the cold air, you know, moves down. Um, so we're getting cool breezes from mountains that are almost 10,000 feet tall. Uh, that I can see, you know, they're not very far away. Oh, and, okay. And then the water temperature is about 85. And I'm in a, you know, I live in water world. It's just completely surrounded by water. Um, my boat is, um, you know, the inside of my boat is, is more than halfway underwater. So I'm, I'm very buffered to 85. Uh, now, mind you, when the sun is out, the sun is awfully powerful. If you're not in shade, you know, you're cooking. You're getting, yeah. you're getting a lot of a lot of radiation from the sun. So I have a huge uh, tarp over my boat. Um, so I'm I'm totally shaded, and that makes an enormous difference. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hate to admit it, but when we had the mast down, we we bought a Home Depot tarp, so it it looks super classy. Um, and we you know drew it across yeah. the entire boat, and I could almost hear the theme from the Beverly Hillbillies playing as we make <laughs> the way. <laughs> luckily yep. there's not a lot of people in alabama mississippi tennessee to, to judge you too much but uh yeah yeah they i have work. a hardware store tarp as well um now luckily my they they sell brown tarps here so i don't have uh i don't have the the bright blue uh tarp but um but yeah it's still just a hardware store tarp and uh, i just got to suck it up and because there, there's no there's no living here without uh in my opinion without a you know a whole lot of shade yeah i am uh I'm, I'm very jealous of your surfing and i don't i don't know if i ever told you this when i met you but i i tried to learn to surf you know i, I spent most of my life working as you know a schlub and uh so i kind of quit that at about i don't know 30 35 36 and we uh we set off with the kids in, in an rv and our from, we lived in Utah our whole lives, so at like 40 years old, we moved away, and uh, we we go to California, and I see everybody surfing, and so I think, hey, I'm you know I'm a good skier, <clears throat> I can water yeah. ski, I can snow ski, I, I've got good balance. I'm just gonna get me a board and head out there into Huntington Beach and learn to surf, and uh, I almost got pounded to dust out there, and. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what age I would have been able to learn to surf, but I know that it wasn't 40. <laughs> <laughs> Surfing is the, is the most difficult sport I've ever gotten into. Um, it has the, the biggest learning curve um, and you can never master it. You know, I've been doing it since the eighties and I'm, I'm still not as good as I, I wish I was uh, by a long shot. Um, yeah, it's the most difficult sport to learn. And I don't think it's possible to learn it unless you live somewhere with where you can surf a lot. Um, yeah. And, and then, and then, you know, California, you've got cold water, powerful waves. A lot of the beaches are, have, have rocks on the bottom. Um, you know, I learned in Florida, warm water, 
no rocks, um, gentle waves, pretty easy place to learn. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and here I, in I Panama, there's really good. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I, I can kind of paddleboard surf, but only if the waves are, are pretty small. But there's uh, that popping up thing. I don't know. Maybe I was faster when I was younger. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bizarre sport. There's nothing, there's no way to prepare for it. I mean, riding a skateboard is the closest thing to it, but it's still not anywhere near the same. Your body has to learn a whole new way of moving and balancing and, and, and you know, interpreting the environment around it. There's, there's really nothing uh, anywhere close to, 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 you know, comparable to train, you know, to, to teach yourself. You can't teach yourself how to surf unless you're on a board surfing. So it's, right. uh, yeah, it's a hard sport to learn, but it, but it's, but it's oh, yeah, fun. No, I, I, I bet, I bet even when you were getting pounded to dust, you were having a good time. You're at least you have good memories of it. Oh, I don't, I, you know, I had a foam top board. And even that foam top board, when it smacks you in the head and then, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and again, it's all fun and games, the first wave, right? You know, you get, it curls you under, you're under the water and you're spinning and you pop up and it's almost fun and games when that second wave hits you and rolls you under. But when the third one rolls you under, it's like, oh, no, 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 I don't know. I, I, I was not having a good time when that third wave hit me. Oh yeah, it sounds like you were out in in uh, conditions that were not suitable for for learning. No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you gave it a try, man. You get you get credit for trying. Most people oh, don't even try. Good. A for effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's move back to the loop for a minute. Um, you you told us about the Erie Canal. Do you have any other favorite places? You know the one that it's got the most deceitful name that I can think of. And that would be the great dismal swamp coming through yeah. the top part of North Carolina into Virginia. Yep. That is maybe one of the prettiest spots I have, I have ever been in. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's got like this long history. It used to be used for commerce. It was like, the idea was from George Washington's time. Wow. And, uh, but it's, it's been abandoned by that. It's only used by recreational boaters now. And where they used to have two roads along the side where donkeys would pull these kind of barge ships along, all that has grown in. So it is just impossibly green. And because it's so, uh, so many trees in that, it, it's really still water. So as we made our way along, it was kind of an illusion of the eyes, but was, when you look down, you've got this tunnel of green and the reflection of the trees on the water make it look like it's hard to tell the, the sky from the water side. Um, and it looks like just this, you're, looks like you're flowing into some Willy Wonka-esque tunnel of, of greenery. Um, it was just a, it was only really two days but it was just, it was, it's hauntingly beautiful and quiet wow. and still. There's nobody there. There's no power boaters coming by. There's no crab traps. Um, I mean, what a, what a splendid couple of days. And for a name like the Dismal Swamp, you know, kind of a, uh, a surprise. Yeah, that's, um, 
that is a surprise. I mean, I actually, I actually recently saw a post by somebody who was who was talking about how much they liked the Great Dismal Swamp, but it's <laughs> the name of it certainly does not suggest that. Um, uh, Carrie, are you still with us? Yes. Can you give us your a little bit of your insight on the loop and what what you loved about it? Um, what your favorite places were, favorite things you did? Any any insights? Those what Ron had mentioned are are both of our highlights. I mean, I loved anchoring at the Statue of Liberty and getting that perspective. Like Ron said, the Great Loop wasn't my ideal. I wasn't really excited about doing it. Um, I was so excited about the Bahamas and I'm still so excited about it. Um, we have traveled all of the states in a motorhome. So I was like, honey, we have already done all of that. But getting that perspective on the water um, just took it to a whole new level and being away from the cities and just it was absolutely beautiful and and the sunrises and sunsets with the statue of liberty was just the ultimate wow the statue of liberty yeah i wouldn't have no, another unexpected um yeah and people i uh, i post a lot on instagram and I, and i'm on the great loop page and they kept telling me why are you wasting your time stay, staying days at the Statue of Liberty? Like we were doing yoga and I was paddleboarding around the Statue of Liberty. Like my heart was so full and people were giving me uh, just like, why are you doing that? There's so much to see in New York. And, and I told them, you know, I've already been to New York. I love New York. Like this is something I've never experienced. So I'm going to be in the moment and enjoy this spectacular view that I get to see. Wow. Wonderful. Yeah. That's, that's great advice, you know? Um, and same thing with uh, downtown Chicago. Like we did have to take our mask down to do that, but you know, I've been in Chicago before, but being on the water and there was, it was just a whole different perspective that I never even knew existed being in the water and seeing all these beautiful architectural buildings and, you know, the people from land waving at us, super excited to see us. Like we felt like celebrities. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, I bet it, that is it was, fun. It was so beautiful to see. Cat, and when Ron mentioned, oh. oh yeah, absolutely. And then when Ron mentioned like our, um, our tracks of like 200 miles across things. I love them because I started learning how to fish. So those, oh. those moments I, I caught, you know, big mahi mahis and just everything's been really spectacular. Wonderful. So it sounds like you are also very much looking forward to going to the Bahamas. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And do you have, have, have you looked at the charts or the maps at all, or are you like, like Roan, like you're just going to, kind of wing it yeah we just wait till the moment like like Ron said um part of the journey it well to me the whole experience is the journey not the destination so we've okay. done adventures where we plan all the steps and then um when we meet people that come on our path and and want us to join them or give us their insight of the beautiful places that we've been. We're like, no, 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 we have a schedule and it doesn't fit in our schedule on our timeline. So this journey, we have made it 
a point to live in the moment and to, to, you know, when, when things and places come into our path, you know, let's, let's go down that path. Let's join them that we've, we've met so many people, the friendships we've made. I have people follow me and, and you know, oh. more than my, now we've, we've met up for two weeks and, and now they're part of my family. <laughs> Wonderful. And I don't think I would have experienced that um, if I would have had like the timeline that we've had and, and most of our trips that we've scheduled every single detail. Yep. Yep. Wow. Well, hopefully I'll run into you guys in the Bahamas. I'll, I'll be moving in the opposite direction, um, starting at, in the uh, southern, southeastern end of the Bahamas and uh, working my way downwind. I'm not really sure where I'm going to end up, but uh, I know I'll be there for probably January, February, March, maybe longer. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're open. So, you know, let's try and make that happen. <laughs> yeah. I've got a, a tracker on my website. So if you go to, and, and the general public's welcome to always follow me along too. Uh, but on at my website, paultrammell.com, there's a button at the top in the header that says tracker. And, Absolutely. Um, it's not turned on right now because I'm sitting still, but whenever I'm moving, um, it's on. So when I'm in the Bahamas, it's on the whole time. So you can always find okay. any, anybody can always find out where, where I am. I'm not trying to hide. I'm not up to anything. I need to hide. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> I want people to know where I am in case, uh, you know, in case they oh, want to come visit. Um, let's see other questions I have. What, let's go back to the boat refit. Is there any, anything that you would do differently um, or, or, or anything you think that you did unexpectedly right? You know, things you did right, things you did wrong. Anything come to mind? So I, I kind of towards the end, I, I thought I got about another thousand dollars that I could spend on something about that. And uh, I considered putting a windlass on the front to pull up the anchor. And I considered auto autopilot to put on the wheel because yep. it, it had an old system, but it, it didn't work very well. And it would occasionally completely lose its mind. And I ended up choosing autopilot since there are two of us. And um, I figured it was good exercise for me to pull up that anchor anyway. And I, that autopilot, I think, has absolutely saved my life and sanity. Um, so that was the right thing for me to spend that money on. Um, and I, I don't think I understood. So I was like, well, a lot of people say you have to hand steer for a lot of this anyway. And you do. But, you know, there were periods because it seems like that autopilot works better in the nastiest possible conditions. Um, so no, no question that that was, for me, the best money we spent on this boat. Well, Great. What kind was, of autopilot? The uh, Raymarine wheel drive style. Okay. Yeah, that e I think it's an EV1000, something like that. I, I might have the same one on my boat. When, when Flower came with the Raymarine wheel drive autopilot, which is totally undersized for this boat, but it actually works. Yeah. Surprisingly well. Yeah. And there were and times I, that you could, you can hear ours whining, especially well that when we were coming across the Gulf, um, you know, and the, the waves were direct hitting directly on the rudder. So it, you know, it's constantly trying to steer you into it and it's fighting against it. You know, it, it sounded like it was crying, but it worked. Uh -huh. It always. Well, and it saved us on that storm on the great lakes, because like Ron described, 
we couldn't see. And there, it was raining so hard that we just went underneath and just relied on that to get us to shore. Oh yeah. Cause my, I use a, uh, Samsung tablet as my, with Navionics as my, uh, navigation, my chart plotter. Uh-huh. And I, because the storm, I mean, at three o'clock we were jumping off the boat, taking showers by 6 PM, you know, the world was ending. It, it happened that fast wow. from completely blue skies to like, it, it felt like the world was ending. Um, and I didn't have a chance to get the uh, enclosures up and the wind was pushing the rain in, even though, you know, we've got essentially a, a complete dodger. Um, the what rain was coming in at such an angle that it was, it was just pouring on the, on the chart plotter. So I had to keep the chart plotter down here because I didn't want it to, uh, I didn't want it to get so wet that it, you know, died on me. So mm-hmm. that was really just, the autopilot up there doing its job. And then I'm, I'm down below, you know, what looking at my GPS uh, chart plotter to make sure that, okay, yep, we are indeed staying the course here and we are going to make it in there. But um, it, it would have been a huge disconnect if I'd been trying to hand steer too, too much. Right. Yeah. Cool. And I assume pulling the anchor up was no problem. Oh, it's, it's always a problem. Don't get me wrong. I wish I had another thousand dollars to buy a windlass. Don't. Yeah. No, no. I complain about it every single time I pull the anchor up. And I'm how much exercise he's getting. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't, I don't have a windlass either. Um, it's something I'd like to have, but I can, I, so far I've survived without one. Right. But uh, it's not totally necessary. Um, but yes, uh, autopilot is, I have three autopilots. No, it's it's an ab- absolutely essential for a single hander. You know, I can survive without one, but it's but it's pretty pretty bad if I'm on a long passage. Pretty pretty grim, right? And yeah. I've been there. <laughs> I've been there a couple yeah. times. It's not a fun place to be. Um, steering is steering is great fun for for a while, but after you know when you get into the double digits of hours, it's it's not good at all. Uh, yeah, I concur. <laughs> yeah. All right. And any, you told us of some of your favorite places or are there any uh, places along the loop that you would recommend people avoid? The crab traps. Yeah. The crab I, traps. You, know, you know, you know what though? I mean, really, if, if someone was listening to this and they were thinking about doing the loop and they've read a lot of that prevailing wisdom, um, the, this is a funny thing to me. A lot of people, they, they do the loop, but they, they just go from like Marina to Marina they kind of, you know, they stop in for dock tails at about 5 p.m. Because they move a lot faster than we do. But you're, to me, the benefit of the loop versus, um, not that I'm, I'm sure that the Bahamas are, are amazing. But the benefit of doing the loop is that you're going through some of the absolute crown jewel cities of, of America. So, you know, the chance to go into St. Augustine and Charleston and... Uh, New York City and Baltimore and Chicago and I mean it's, it 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 doesn't end you know there's just so many great cities along the way and again that every time that we mention like we're we're tell people 
we're going to go into Detroit. You, you know, people are posting pictures of, uh, you know, gun turrets on their boat. <laughs> you know, they're like, don't do it. You'll be killed. You know, oh, my goodness, the most dangerous city in the world. And it, it the chance to see all those cities from the waterside um, and to view them, especially like in the south. Beaufort, South Carolina, Beaufort, North Carolina, and some, some of these, you know, I, I just, you know, that you would do the loop and that you would skip seeing those cities um, just seems, I, I, I just don't understand why you would be doing the loop if you didn't want to see those cities. To me, that's the real draw of doing the loop besides the whole boating adventure is that you get to see every, you know, all the great cities along the Eastern seaboard. Wow. Yeah. Good point. Good point. And I, and I kind of love how that, that since you two are a couple, you know, I, I'm, I'm solo. So I just go wherever exactly I want to go, but I, I like hearing how each of you has sort of encouraged the other to go see something they wouldn't normally have seen and, 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 and that you are both enjoying it. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> doesn't mean that we don't have our, our moments as well, but yeah. It is, uh, occasionally we, we do, you know, I like to think that in our best moments, we, we inspire each other towards our, our better selves. Sure. That's, that's the way I imagine it. <laughs> you, you asked if there was any sections that I would recommend not doing. Yes. But the thing about the loop is, is yeah, there are sections that are not that great, but there's really no avoiding them. So, um, right. Right. You know, you, sometimes you just have to embrace the suck. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Look for the silver lining. Look for the, yeah. look for the interesting thing you weren't expecting. All right. right. Well, and you know, and more, it's, we, we move so slow that trying to move up the Ohio river against the current, you know, you're doing, we're netting like about two knots. So you just feel like, yeah, I've seen this side of the river for what feels like 10 hours. <laughs> so. <laughs> so your your YouTube channel is The Wayward Travelers and your website is thewaywardtravelers.com. And, and where else can people follow you? Are you also on Instagram? Oh, yes. We're full social media horrors. So we're on uh, <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, and uh any, any other place that people could possibly see photos of us self-aggrandizing ourselves. Excellent. Excellent. That's the way you got to do it. What's your, what, what is your uh, Instagram handle? I think the way we're travelers. The way we're travelers. You got it everywhere. All right, great. Well, I'll put links to all that on the podcast show notes page at paultrammell.com slash podcast. This is going to be season four, episode five. Um, so, uh, is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about that I didn't ask you? Um, felt like we covered it all. We covered a good bit. Any, any uh, final advice for people who are thinking about doing the loop? Yeah. Do it now. Don't wait. Just do it. Well, you know, things happen. Tra tragedies happen. It's, it's, you know, you'll never be in, in better shape. You'll never have enough money to spend every dime that, you know, you, you could spend out there. Um, but, you know, do it now. Don't wait. Make it happen. Yeah, because we're, we're part of the great loop page and there's so many people on their couch 
waiting for someone to tell them the perfect boat to do it in. And I always tell them whatever you can afford right now. Yeah. Yeah. Go out and buy the boat. The one that's in the Marina waiting for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's been great talking to both of you and I appreciate you coming onto the podcast and I look forward to running into you both in the Bahamas. I sure hope so. Yes. All right. Great. Well, um, I'll let you guys go. Thanks again for being on. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate you, bud. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I will put links and photos up on the podcast show notes page at paultrammell.com slash podcast. This one is episode five, season four. So click on season four down at the bottom and then scroll to the bottom for each new episode. At the bottom of each page on my website, you can find a link to Patreon where you can donate to support this podcast. And if you are a regular listener, please consider doing so. At the top of each page on my website, you'll find a button that says Garmin Tracker page. And that will show you where I am at any given time. So I am recording this a month and a half early down here still in Bocas del Toro, Panama, but I'm probably leaving next week. And um, I think I'm going to Jamaica and then the Bahamas after that. So anyway, if you're interested in seeing where I am, you can always click on the Garmin Tracker page button at the top of my website to see where I am. You can also support the podcast by buying any of my books. My latest is a novel called The Gold Box about treasure hunting and everything that uh, comes along with, with finding something of value at the bottom of the ocean, all the decisions, all the unexpected troubles and problems and uh, dangers that come along with that. It's an adventure that takes place in the Bahamas. Take a look at that. It's called The Gold Box. And my latest sailing nonfiction is called Chasing the Nomadic Dream. I would like to thank Royal Robins Clothing for their support of the podcast uh, they make fine outdoor clothing. Check them out at royalrobins.com. And I'd also like to thank Hydrovane for their support of the podcast. I've been using a Hydrovane Windbane Autopilot for just over a year now, and I absolutely love it. Find them at hydrovane.com. And if you want to follow my adventures, you can find me on Instagram at trammel.paul. All right, folks, until next time, happy sailing and peace out. <laughs>